Hello everyone, Al from Point of Insanity Game Studio coming back at you with another episode of Geekery in General and joining me today is a man who makes the homies say ho and the girlies want to scream but he's no Aqua Teen, he is Chad Knight. What kind of intro was that? Didn't you ever see uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force on uh, Cartoon Network? No. We are the Aqua Teens. Make the hum- homies say ho and the girlies want to scream. Really? Wow. Okay. No, I've never, I have never seen that. And at this moment in time, I'm going to say I never will. <laughs> but I'm here. But I'm here. I, 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 I'm here and we're going to talk about a movie that I watched and that you've watched. A movie that you recommended to me to watch. Um, that just happened to come on Netflix, what, within the last few days here? And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to take over here. I'm going to let you do the talking, but uh, let's do it. Let's talk. Clash of the Titans. Yep, today we're going to be taking a look at the 1981 classic film, Clash of the Titans. Now, I remember way back when, many episodes ago, we did a review of Troy, The Odyssey. And I had mentioned that movie when we were, I mentioned this movie when we were reviewing that movie. So this 1981 movie was directed by Desmond Davis, written by Beverly Cross, and starred Harry Hamlin as Perseus, Judy Boker as Andromeda, and also had Burgess Meredith, Maggie Smith, and Lawrence Oliver. Which wasn't Maggie Smith, wasn't she from she from Harry Potter? Yes, she was. Uh, she was uh, McGonagall. Madam, yeah. No, not, not McGonagall. And isn't it Lawrence Olivier, not Lawrence Oliver? I. It's pronounced Olivier. I, okay, whatever. So, <laughs> Lawrence. So yes, uh, many good actors in this movie, and retells the story of Perseus. Of course, it does take some liberties, as do most movies that are dealing with any sort of mythology, but overall, I liked it. I always enjoyed seeing this movie as a kid, and one of the things that always caught my attention was the stop animation of Ray Harryhausen, who, he had, again, had a very distinctive um, stop-motion animation uh, style that he used for not only this movie, but several others as well. So it was the stop animation that caught your eye as a child. Not the not not all the boobs in the movie. Well, I saw it on network TV, so yes, I was surprised when there was some nudity in it. But then again, remember, I only saw it on TV before. So yes, okay. I was just as surprised as the nudity as you were. I thought it was very ahead of their time in 1981 to show a lady breastfeeding that is true you know i i thought that was interesting and i didn't quite understand the scene where um the mother uh deny and the kid perseus are running naked down the the edge of the water i just i don't understand what that scene was there for yeah we'll we'll get to that in just a moment i don't understand it either but the movie okay fair enough the movie opens with King Acrisius 
uh, putting his daughter Danny and her young son Perseus into a box and throwing them out into the ocean. And while they're in the chest, of course, Zeus is angry about this because after all, this is one of his sons. You know, it's it's funny. There is this uh, picture that goes around Facebook every now and then. It has two picture of two books. One of them is really thick and says Greek mythology. Um, the other one is thin and it says Greek mythology if Zeus could keep it in his pants. <laughs> you know, there's some truth to that. And, uh, you know, if you really read Greek mythology, Zeus was, he had some major kinks, man. He would he would have sex with women as, as geese and bulls and Golden rain, <clears throat> golden rain. <laughs> Ew. Well, think about it. That's even brought up in the movie. But yes, uh, Zeus got around. Yeah, he was a whore. So since Zeus is angry about his son being cast into the ocean, he, of course, orders Poseidon to make sure it's safe. And he also has it release the Kraken to destroy Argos. <laughs> yes, and I have release to say... Release the creature from the Black Lagoon! Okay, yes, it did look kind of like a creature from the Black Lagoon. I will give you that. But you have to admit, the Kraken in this movie looked much better than the Kraken in Troy the Odyssey. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> but at least in Troy the Odyssey, it was a, 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 a cephalopod, at least, you know. Anyways, so the box with Danny and Perseus safely arrives on the island of Seriphos. Well, after per as Perseus grows up, we go back to Mount Olympus, and we see the gods there. And this is one of the things that always caught my attention when I was a kid, because they had that little arena, and in the back there was that wall of all these little clay figures. Right. So when I was a kid, I always wondered, is God up there with, like, little figures of us, you know, so... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not a horrible question, um, because obviously those figures were people that Zeus had interest in. You know, um... And what he would do with those figures would have an impact on the world below. Uh, it's almost like, I got the feeling in this at least, that Zeus was kind of like, we don't, we don't get involved directly. You know, he didn't go down and save his son. You know, he didn't go down and, and destroy Argos. Um, he had Poseidon release the Kraken through, you know, release the winds and, and whatever to create a natural disaster, but they didn't directly, you know, he's Zeus, he could have lightning bolted him and been done. Well, he did grab the figure of King Acrisius and he crushed it in his hand and then yeah, went gave back him to some Earth. sort of a heart attack. Yeah, because yeah, he was like gripping on his chest like he was having a heart attack. And if my memory serves me correctly, that's actually not how King Acrisius dies in Greek mythology. In Greek mythology, the reason that uh, his daughter and grandson were banished 
is because he was for he was told by a an oracle that his daughter would have a son that would kill him so that's why he had them banished in greek mythology and it ended up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy but we're not going to get into that right now but anyways the kingdom of argos is destroyed perseus is safe grows up to adulthood and he's uh ta well while he's growing up we see the gods again on on uh mount olympus and of course uh zeus is all proud of perseus how he's this handsome young man and this is where uh the sea goddess thetis approaches zeus and asks if her son calibos can now be married to princess andromeda and now i i'm not sure if calibos is someone they made up just for this the movie or if he was an actual figure from greek mythology that, yeah, that sure. I don't know. I don't know either. I my my mythology is I've got a basic understanding of like Greek, Roman, and uh, you know like Swedish myth. Not Swedish, but you know the um, like Valhalla and that Norse. kind of stuff. Norse, but it it it's a passing understanding of all of them. I don't know the ins and outs. However, Zeus has something rather sinister in store for Calibos because we learned that he had committed several crimes against Zeus. So what he did in revenge is he transformed him into this evil looking, this, you know, horrible monster. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Supposed to be. He's yep. just hairy. He's just hairy. He's got a couple horns. He actually... And a tail. Uh, the way... Yeah, the way they did him in, in the movie kind of reminded me of Pan. Well, when we go back to Earth, we find out that Thetis decides that she's going to transport Perseus to another island because he goes to sleep one night and he wakes up and he's in a amphitheater in a different place in Joppa. And there he befriends a poet named Ammon who takes him under his wing. And he is out practicing with his sword, and he's given three gifts. A sword by that was made by Aphrodite, a shield made by Hera, and a helmet from Athena. Which, again, I think this is, again, if my memory serves me correctly, the gifts he received, the sword was actually from, um, I think, Hermes. I think the helmet was actually from Hades, and the shield was from Athena. Like I said, they took some liberties in retelling the story here. Absolutely. So he finds out that the helmet lets him turn invisible, and the sword allows him to cut through stone. So Perseus takes his gifts, and he goes to the nearby town. And while there, he sees a man being burnt at the stake. And he asks a soldier, what's going on? And he was told that the Andromeda is under a curse, that... The only way someone can marry him or her is if he successfully answers a riddle from Calibos. However, so far, everyone has failed, and as a result, they have to get burnt at the stake. So, of course, Perseus decides he wants to try to answer this riddle. So, well, go ahead. Wasn't, wasn't the conversation between Perseus and that um, uh, the soldier... soldier like the most awkward thing ever shot. It was just really weird to me. Yeah, it was. They, the, especially the soldier. He was, I was like, what the hell is going on here? 
But anyway, go on. Sorry, I just. That's okay. I, uh, it was just weird. Yep. So Perseus uses his helmet of invisibility to sneak into Andromeda's room, and he witnesses her spirit being uh, captured and carried away by a giant vulture. And later we learn that this is how she learns the riddle from Calibos. Well, he decides he needs to follow her, so he goes and he captures Pegasus. And again, this is another one of those parts where they really take a lot of liberties, because in the actual legend, Pegasus is born after Perseus kills Medusa. And the quick question for you, Chad. Yes. Do you know the name of the hero that actually used Pegasus in Greek mythology? No. <laughs> Bellerophon. Uh, he is the hero that's most associated with uh, using Pegasus and used it to defeat the Chimera. Bellerophon? Or Bellerophon, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. but That's a hell of a name. Perseus sets out where he manages to capture Pegasus, and he manages to... The next night, he manages to follow the vulture to Calabos's uh, swamp. Uh, he is discovered, though, and he gets in a fight with Calabos, manages to sever one of his hands. However, he loses the helmet in the process. Yes. Yeah, and apparently the moral of the story that we're going to learn at the, by the end of the movie is don't trust Perseus with divine gifts, because the helmet's no not the kidding. only thing. Yeah, the helmet's not the only thing he loses. Ain't that the truth? The guy can't hold on to nothing. You know, he's the kind of guy that's constantly losing his driver's license and his wallet. <laughs> so the next morning, uh, Perseus presents himself to Andromeda, asking to be given the opportunity to answer the riddle, which he does, correctly guessing that it is the ring of Calibos. Well, of course, uh, Thetis is mad. Thetis is mad about this, but, but he's kind of he's kind of got a uh, he's kind of got a, an upper hand on that though, because when the next time the vulture came to take her spirit, he followed it and he saw the answer on the parchment because he was invisible. That is true. Yes, so, that is true. You know, it was kind of a cheap and cheesy way to do it because he wouldn't have figured it out otherwise. That is true. In order to sort of get revenge, because since uh, Thetis can't really do anything directly against Perseus, she decrees that Andromeda has to be sacrificed to the Kraken in 30 days' time. So, unfortunately, it's said that no man alive knows how to defeat the Kraken. However, Ammon thinks that there's a woman who might know, and they go off on a quest to go find the the Gorgon sisters and, or no, I'm sorry, not the Gorgon sisters, the Stygian witches. There you go. You know, though, I, I figured this riddle out. It was so simple. Perseus just needs to bone Andromeda. She can't be sacrificed anymore because it was very specific that she had to be a virgin when sacrificed. <laughs> well, th that would have made the movie too short though. And everybody should leave Joppa because she said she would kill anybody left in Joppa. So they they go ahead and they, they have sex and everybody moves to a different town. Problem solved. You know, Chad, that would be a good idea for... Have you ever seen the YouTube series How It Should Have Ended? 
No. Yeah, that's how, uh, what you described there, that's a scenario that the people from How It Should Have Ended would have uh, came up with. <laughs> but anyway, move on. He's off to see the Stygian witches. Zeus determines that they need a replacement for the helmet. However, unfortunately, that's been lost in the marsh, which, you know, made me wonder. It's like, okay, Zeus can't find a helmet that's been lost in a marsh. But anyways, so... Gods. Gods are just so, like, pointless sometimes. Yep. So he asks Athena to give Perseus her owl, Bubo, but she doesn't want to part with it, so instead she has Hephaestus build a robotic replica, which you got to admit, that was kind of cool. That was one of the highlights of the show, that little animatronic uh, mechanical owl was the cutest thing. Who wouldn't have wanted a divinely crafted robotic owl to help them out? Especially since, you know, Perseus, since it was for him, could understand it perfectly. Of course. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) So Perseus and his group makes their way to the home of the Stygian witches, where they find that uh, they're all blind, so they use a magic eye in order to see. While he has Bubo steal the eye forcing them to reveal the secret on how to defeat the Kraken. Right, and he did that because he also found out that the Stygian witches will answer questions, but then for payment they like to eat you. Yes, that is true, because this is something I never caught as a kid. I don't know if I just didn't notice or if uh, maybe they censored it out of the network TV version, but when they were co- they were like cooking something in a pot, and you see a hand float to the top quickly. And when and they she just real- kind of pushes it back down. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, of course, Perseus is smart here because once he has the eye, he just kind of throws it off into their lair so they can't get it. Yeah, and it's it's like they're like, they answer his questions. He's, it's kind of a jerk move, but I get it because he wants to get out of there before they can see where he is again. But it's kind of a jerk move. It's like, I'll give you back your eye. If you tell me what I want to know, oh, and now that you told me what I want to know, here's another question before you get your eye back. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of a dick move, man. So after they leave the home of the Stygian witches, Andromeda and Ammon return to uh, Joppa, and the rest of the group continues to the edge of the underworld. So they have to cross the river Styx, and they find the island that... The Gorgon Medusa lives on. During the fight, most of the men are killed, but Perseus does manage to defeat first the uh, the two-headed dog that was guarding her lair. And was then that when... supposed to be Serabus? No, it wasn't. Okay, I was going to say because they forgot. A... I was going to say because they forgot ahead if it was supposed to be Serabus. No, it wasn't Cerebus, I think it's pronounced. Whatever. (laughs) Anyways, so in order to distract Medusa, he uses the inside reflective part of his shield. He just like throws it against a statue and Medusa sees the reflection, thinks it's him. And while he goes to try to to get at go after Perseus, he cuts her head off. I have a question about this scene. Yes. How did he get his shield to just stick to that statue? Magic. Ain't got to explain. 
There are so many questions in this movie. Yes. And this is, again, where we find out why you should not trust divine gifts to Perseus. Because after he cuts off Medusa's head, you know, her blood starts pouring out. And it, when it contacts the shield, it starts to dissolve the shield. Perseus should not be trusted with anything of value. And yet, and yet he gets the girl. Yes, he does. So on their way back, they the men stop to make camp, and they are ambushed by Calibos. He sticks, because after Perseus cut off one of his hands, he did like put like a trident thing to replace it, and he stabs the head of the... Uh, cloak that Medusa's head is being carried in, and once the blood hits the ground, turns into giant scorpions. So of course, yeah, I it... didn't quite, I didn't quite figure that out either. I know magic doesn't have to be explained. <laughs> so Perseus manages to defeat the scorpions. Unfortunately, all his remaining shoulders soldiers end up getting killed. You know, though, it was a big move when Perseus just reached up and grabbed that stinger and then chopped it off. I'm like. That takes cojones, man. So after killing Calibos, Perseus manages to make it back to Joppo, but unfortunately he is weakened from his journey, and he collapses. Well, He's so tired. Yes. However, before he had collapsed, he had sent Bubo, Bubo to rescue Pegasus, who had been captured like Bubo by... better. Yeah. <laughs> who, he sent Bubo to go rescue Perseus, or Pegasus, who had been captured by... Calabos's men. Well, this is one, again one another one of those scenes that stuck with me through you know through the years, and I always remembered long after you know seeing. Before the movie we get the first there, time. you before you get there, you miss something. So at the yes. end of the fight with the scorpions, Calabos Calabos tries to kill Perseus, and by choking him with his whip, and then he just grabs his sword and he like flings it, and it sticks into Calibus, and he dies. Do you realize he didn't take the sword out of Calibus either? I thought he had it later in the battle, though, so he probably just... Okay, bad, <laughs> bad editing, okay? <laughs> it was... I don't know. But anyway, go on. So he's he's now back in Joppo. Yep, and... This is, again, where we see Zeus, how he, of course, protects his children. When they go to Mount Olympus, it shows, you know, the amphitheater, and it shows the figure of Perseus collapsed. And, of course, Perseus picks it up, and that allows Perseus to uh, regain his strength. Well, yeah, Zeus, Zeus fills him with energy again. Yep. So now we get to the final battle. So Andromeda is put out to get sacrificed. And of they course, they chain her. They chain her to rocks, like wrists and ankles. Like, what the hell? Well, anyways, so Zeus release the kraken. So yes, Poseidon releases the kraken, and of course, everyone flees as it comes to uh, devour Andromeda. However, Perseus manages to arrive just in time with Bubo and Pegasus, and. As we Medusa's know what head. Yes, and Medusa's head. And as we know, in as in Greek mythology, he manages to uh, pull out the head and turn the crack into stone where it crumbles into the ocean. But 
the movie does make the battle a lot less heroic looking than I I would imagine it picturing it in Greek mythology because it was the lamest it was the lamest final battle ever. It ranks right up there with a game we played one time where we had spent I don't know a couple years of game time building up to this final battle. And then we have our our enchanter, I forget uh, I wasn't an enchanter, but Anyway, he was this. He, he had the spell Polymorph Other. He had tried it like on every, you know, creature he ran across. Never works. We get to the big bad guy. He rolls it. It happens. He polymorphs the final battle into a freaking squirrel. <laughs> so we had to beat down a squirrel with like 300 <laughs> hit points. It's just so anticlimactic. <laughs> That's actually a cool gaming story. It is, and it's cool. In retrospect, it's like it finally worked for him, you know? He did it one more time figuring it's not going to work because it took, like, you got to cast the spell, and then it took, like, three rolls, and you had to make all three rolls, or it just didn't work. This was in the Pathfinder system. Okay. And he got every roll, and it was just like, are you kidding me? I was so mad at the time. I I, I was so mad because we had spent all this time working up to this final battle. And then it's like, hit the squirrel. (laughs) Nice. But yeah, it wasn't exactly as heroic a battle as I usually envisioned it to be whenever I uh, heard this story as a kid. Because it's like, I know Bupo tries flying in to distract the Kraken and he gets whacked away. Percy gets whacked off of the Pegasus. And I don't know if the sword is seen afterwards, so it probably got lost. It's probably in the bottom of the ocean right now. He lost Medusa's head. I mean, let's be realistic here. He falls off Pegasus. Pegasus splashes down. He splashes down. Medusa's head splashes down. Then Beepo, who was unconscious, all of a sudden is back. Bubo, who was unconscious, all of a sudden is back. He picks up the bag with the head in it, which is floating for some reason. I don't know why, but anyway, it is. Takes it back to Perseus. Chad, suspension of disbelief. This movie was too bad for that. (laughs) Takes it back to Perseus, who now, for some reason, couldn't unwrap the damn thing when he was on on the horse, on Pegasus. But now that he's on the ground, he just pops right out and grabs it. I think he looks at the eyes like six times before he holds it up to the Kraken. It was just horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible acting. And then the Kraken breaks apart and falls into the ocean. And he throws the head, without putting it in a bag or anything, out into the ocean, and it sinks. How does it sink now? Huh? Tell me. <laughs> and is that down there? Is, is that turning all the fish into stone now because he didn't cover it up? <laughs> wow, you're really angry about that, aren't you? Oh, they just... They ruined it. I know you like this movie, and I'm sorry that I'm going to rip it a new, but it's just so, so irritating. Yes, it did have a few what-the-heck moments to it, but consider this payback for making me watch Troy the Odyssey. That was your choice, too, wasn't it? No, you were the one who selected it. Was I? Yes. But you sold this to me as this movie this this great movie and it's not 
I actually, like I said, I liked it. Yes, I know it does have a few what the heck moments. Like, oh, also in the beginning, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but when King Acrisius is giving his speech, they're having the camera point up at him. And if you look closely in his mouth, you could actually see fillings in there. I'm sure that was a thing in... In ancient Greece, yes. Yeah. I mean, we knew the ancient Greeks were fairly advanced for their time, but I didn't they know they were that ahead that. of their time. I but, did not um, know that they could do dental uh, fillings back then. No, I'm pretty sure dental just had to do. Oh, your tooth hurts? Well, we'll start by bleeding you and see if that helps. Yeah. Oh, that didn't help? We'll pull your tooth out. I liked the movie. I mean, watching it, when I watched it the other day, that was probably the first time I watched it in a few decades. And, yeah, there's a couple things I noticed that I missed in the first time I watched it. But overall, I still enjoyed it because it takes you back to that era when they couldn't just CGI everything. You know, they had to do the practical effects. And they had to do the stop animation. And it took a lot of work, but, again, it actually looked pretty good for the time. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just jaded because of everything that's we're able to see and do now. But I just thought it was a half-hearted attempt um, to tell the Perseus story again. I mean, how many times do we have to get the Perseus story in a different wrapper? Uh, you know, it's just of all the gods or all the demigods, because he would have been a demigod because he was half god, but out there is really is Perseus' story that engaging? I always liked it. And again, to go back to the how Acrisius died in real Greek mythology, because uh, what had happened is after Perseus had, you know, killed the Kraken and, you know, was basically done with his adventuring and stuff, he went to participate in an Olympic event. And as he was doing a discus throw, the disc accidentally went into the wind and it ended up hitting a spectator in the audience and killing him, which was, and the person who was killed was his, you know, grandfather, King Acrisius. Acrisius. So, yeah, I mean, I like I said, I know, I'm, I know you didn't like it, but personally, I enjoy this movie. Yes, it is cheesy, but... I, I'm still amazed at what they were able to do with what they had back then. Now, I will say there is something, there is a highlight to this. And that is Maggie Smith. I think she's an amazing actor. And it was kind of neat to see a younger Maggie Smith. I'm not going to say a young Maggie Smith because she's as old as God by this time. But at that, you know, in in 80, she was probably in her late 50s. So a younger Maggie Smith. Um, and and that was kind of neat for me to see because I've seen her through the Harry Potter movies and I've seen her through uh, what's that English movie or TV series, uh, Downton um, Abbey. Yep. Downton Abbey and, and things like that. And I've seen clips and stuff of her when she was younger, but I thought it was kind of neat to see her and the fact that of everybody there, she did a good job. Lawrence Olivier did a good job, but it's not the Lawrence Olivier I picture when when you hear that name, you know, it conjures up Lawrence of Arabia, that Lawrence Olivier. But uh, 
So when I saw him for the first time as Zeus, I'm like, I had to really look at him and be like, I guess that is him, you know, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, yes, I give them credit for the effort they put into it. There was a lot of work that went into that movie. For me, it's just, uh, I can't see myself watching it again. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's one of those movies that everyone should watch at least once. And again, because it, I think it does give you a bit of an appreciation for what they could do back then. Um, and I'm, I'm sure they probably didn't have a super huge budget for this movie. Yeah, about twelve dollars, I think. That <laughs> was probably, let's see, uh, actually nine million. Really? Well, I suppose stop animation was not cheap. Yeah, you know? I mean, it took a. It took a lot of, yeah, because it took a lot of work because you think about it. Um, you had to articulate every little movement they did. Yep. And every every frame, every articulation, um, which is why you sometimes get a jump in the movement of these creatures. Like, especially I noticed it um, with the vulture. There were times where it's like, wait, how can he be in that position? That doesn't, you know. Um, but it's quick because it's just a frame or two, but still it's kind of like, you, you catch those, you know, the eye, because they were probably doing, you know, 75 frames per second or something at that time versus whatever they're doing now, hundreds of frames per second. So, but anyway, yeah, yeah I mean, and overall, I, I didn't have Burgess Meredith in it, so, you know, so there were some, yeah, there were some definitely some good actors in this one. Yeah, and, and and I'm sure at the time, if I had seen it in 1981, I would probably have been over the moon about it. But I didn't see it till 2020, and I'm a little <laughs> jaded now. Yeah, you sounded like an old man. I am an old man. So, Chad, if people yes. want to hear more of you being a jaded, grumpy old man, bitching and whining about things that I like, where can they find you? <laughs> Pissing and moaning. Is this... Is this a callback to the uh, episode of Musically Challenged we just did? It could be. <laughs> well, you, of course, can find me at uh, eclecticmediaproject.com. That's the website. We are on Twitter. We are on uh, Facebook. Um, if you just search Eclectic Media Project on any platform like that, uh, we're out there. We're on Instagram, though not overly active on Instagram. Uh, so, yeah, that's where you can find me. Okay, well, thanks again for joining us, everyone. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Stay safe from coronavirus and have a wonderful day. You have been listening to a production of the Eclectic Media Project. Please check us out on the web at www.eclecticmediaproject.com and on Podbean and iTunes. Find Scott and Chad on Twitter as well at EMP underscore Scott and at Chad EMP. We are on Facebook at Eclectic Media Project. Visit our publishing arm at www.poigamestudio and follow them on Twitter at POIGamestudio. Thank you and we look forward to bringing you more thought-provoking and enjoyable content.